This is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Faith Revisited with Ben and Molly. How are you, Ben? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing swell. Happy to be back and talking with you and to our listeners. Um, Today, we have a kind of fun topic that's very unique to our church. It is. um, Not every church will fall into this category, but odds are many of our listeners will either know of a church or be serving a church, or have served a church um, that fits into this category, and that is what makes it so dang unique to be a downtown urban church. Yes, a lot of challenges and opportunities come with being a downtown church, and this is my very first um, opportunity at a downtown church that I've been a part of, been a member of, and I guess My Fullerton church, it was very close to downtown, but it was not city feel like Savannah is. Well, I I don't know enough about um, your church in Fullerton, but was it in a neighborhood? No, it was like across from a train station, but there are houses around nearby. So um, it would probably fit into what they call more of a suburban church. Yeah. It's got sort of a city feel. It's not tucked away in a neighborhood, but it's Correct. definitely not in the heart of an urban center. Yes. And Fullerton it's is pretty- not the type of city like Savannah yeah. is. Well, Fullerton is um, is a town that was birthed because people wanted to expand out of L.A. Yeah. So, and the ostriches yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the orange groves. Yeah. 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 So, so in many ways, it's probably a suburban type church. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So this is my first, you know, being at a downtown church. So immediately off the top of your head, what are some of the challenges that are very unique to Trinity's situation? So this is my second downtown church. I was an really? associate. Yes, I was an associate for four years in Macon, Georgia. Ah, uh, okay. At, at a mother church in Macon mm. that is in the heart of downtown Macon. Gotcha. Um, and so I am very familiar with downtown churches and I have a deep, 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 deep love for downtown churches, but man, it comes with some interesting things. Downtown urban ministry is gritty. Yeah. It is dirty. And, 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 and I mean that literally, like literally you will, you will come to work and one of our friends without housing will have used the bathroom on the doorstep. We just ran into that or you asked me about that last week Uh, my husband and I and child came down to the church and my toddler was running around and you're like oh is it clean like you should smell clean up there yeah 
And yeah. the reason I asked is we had just painted the porch, future episode about our capital campaign, <laughs> but I had, we had just painted the porch and my fear was if you smell it, that means it's fresh. Yeah. You don't ask those questions at a suburban <laughs> neighborhood church. <laughs> oh God, is that fresh pee? No, nah, it's yeah. last week's pee. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. None of the other bodily fluids coming out. Yeah. It's gritty. Um, yeah. There are many visitors at like, you know, around our building that have, yeah, I don't know, you're, you know how to explain it. Neighbors, our neighbors. We have homeless neighbors. Homeless neighbors. Yes. Um, And then also a lot of people that work downtown, I know they come and use like there's an outlet or two outside the church and a bench and um, there's, so we often have visitors at our building. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things, and and you kind of take on the responsibility, but I find it as a ministry, you have, there's a constant need to clean your sidewalks because there's so much foot traffic at downtown churches, whether it's persons in homelessness who pass through, pass by, that kind of thing, or if you're in an area where people sort of foot traffic to and from work. Our church sits between a parking garage and two major buildings where they walk Mm -hmm right past our building through a square and then to their job. Um, so there's a, always a need for uh, cleanup. Um, rarely will you see in a morning your bushes be perfect mm-hmm. because someone will throw trash away, mm-hmm. you know, in the wrong place. Um, we're in downtown Savannah, which is uh, very much a party feel, especially on the weekends. I will often find um you know, airplane bottles, empty airplane bottles of booze hidden in the bushes, full on forties that are half drunk, you know, (laughs) like they just set it down. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things you tend to find. Um, What I was going to say about the ministry, we put put a bench out there and, and a few of our members kind of say, why do we have this bench? It just attracts cigarette butts. And I'm like, yeah, it does. It does. And we have to constantly clean the cigarette butts. That said, it's a respite for people who work to take a lunch break and sit on our bench and mm-hmm. find rest. That's a ministry. It's a place where a homeless person can get out of the heat because it's in the shade and they can not sweat so bad and they can charge their phone. And, you know, there's all kinds of judgments about a homeless person having a phone or whatever. I'm like, that's a lifeline for anybody. Mm-hmm. By all means, a homeless person needs a phone. They don't have access to stations to charge. So we have a electrical socket. Most mm-hmm. churches do on the outside of your building, just like you do at home. So you put your bench next to your electrical socket so someone can charge their phone. They can mm-hmm. eat their lunch. They can charge their phone. They're probably going to take a smoke break. Um, you know, any of those things. But I think I see the burden of having to clean around that space as the cost of doing ministry also, because that bench becomes a meaningful place for somebody to find rest. Yeah. And have you found meaningful conversations with your time there of our neighbors that don't have a home like it's not a lost cause that you know that they're using our building no the homeless in most cities the homeless population is very transient so you'll see somebody for weeks or months and then you won't they'll move Mm -hmm. on to whatever the next place is um building those relationships are are very meaningful you know, when I had a guy one night who was a regular at our building, and by regular, I mean they sleep on our porch and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and 
and I live at the building is the other interesting. Yeah. And, and so I, I see him not only nine to five, I see him 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got picked up by the police. He was drunk. He was at a, the tra- the um, bus station belligerent. I don't mm-hmm. know what happened. And I happened to be outside and saw a police car and saw him and recognized him and went up and said, what's going on? And he asked the police if they would drop him off at the church. Cause that's where he felt safe. So I yeah. think stuff like that yields very little tangible gain in this life for, for a church, but it's all the spiritual gain sometimes 100%. Uh, that you need. And, and, and a lot of, I've even found it. I've had to evolve. I was a lot stricter because I didn't want, you know, messing up the building and all that. And I still don't. And if I find you, I had some guys I found, uh, our cleaning guy found a crack pipe out on mm. the porch. He told me. So I went out there the next night and said, everybody off the porch. Yeah. You you need to police your, each other. And yeah. whichever one of you is out here smoking crack, your friends, you need to tell them that we're all going to lose our sleeping privileges forever. But you're off, you're off for the next week. Yeah. You cleared the porch because I don't want you doing drugs. I draw a line there. Mm-hmm. Um, the museum next door wishes we wouldn't let them sleep at all. Yeah. <laughs> and we sit between two fancy museums and I love the museums and I love yeah. here, but I'm like oh there's this whole thing about Jesus and Matthew yeah, I know. And the least of these like he really wants I, us I, to help them out and I police them believe me yeah. if there's bad behavior we take care of it yeah. I, but but the key there is it's an opportunity to build a relationship and mm-hmm. so I try to learn their names I, I try to speak to them they know me yeah. They see me walking the dog five times a day. Hey, pastor, how you doing? Mm-hmm. They know my family. I mean, they they really do notice and care. Um, we have a Christmas breakfast that we do. I think we shared an episode, previous podcast episode, every, every year on Christmas morning. And boy, they know me. And, and homeless folks, I don't uh, even know at our building will see me walking the dog and say, breakfast is coming, right? Mm-hmm. Christmas. And yeah, it is. Come on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. So that's meaningful that if they're going to take the time to notice me mm-hmm. and appreciate who I am, the least I can do is try to notice them and Absolutely. not just treat them like, like background scenery mm-hmm. to an urban cityscape. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we, you know, that's a whole tangent on homeless folks, but there's a, a relationship opportunity you have to be careful on help. There are people in most urban areas who can help better than churches. And so mm-hmm. referrals is really key unless you really have expertise in your church. Yeah. And a lot of churches, urban churches, is why they have clothing ministries or in-house ministries that can do that. Mm-hmm. We don't, but we have so many around us that we refer out. Yeah. You know? um, so we really kind of look at our ministry as you don't a- have to do everything. That's right. And it's a relational um, day-to-day ministry that we do. We're a place of respite. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used that word a couple of times, but just how can you come and take a, you know, drop your burdens for a minute um, at our building it mm-hmm. is kind of the way that I see one of our best ministries to downtown. That's awesome. What are some other unique challenges? Um, one of them that we've talked about is parking. I have no parking. Yeah. There's no lot. No parking lot. Um, we have and you a, pay during the week. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We, we so we don't do a lot of midweek things because you have to pay to park. The city won't. We get free parking on Sundays, 
um, but it's the only day of the week. <clears throat> I have a few spots around the building that people can use and around our square that people can use. The problem there is our services are not until 11 a.m., and so over half the spots are often taken by tourists who come earlier for breakfast and brunch. Mm -hmm. And so we try to put some signs out, church parking, to help some close-by spots for elderly people who don't need to walk that far. And most people are pretty good about that. Um, we've got a garage behind the church, which is, I don't know how we would exist without that. Correct. Um, and, and one of the, you know, one of the best ambassadors for our church is Miss Lorraine, the parking Miss Lorraine. <laughs> yes. We love her. Who is just the loveliest human being, uh, greets our people. Ask me about you all. If you don't, if she doesn't see you for a few yeah. Sundays, um, Slit here here. I hope Miss Lorraine doesn't listen to this podcast because I'll tell a secret on her. Miss Lorraine often slips me cash. And what she wants to do is especially put it toward the Wednesday night supper fund for college kids. Because we let our college kids come. <laughs> yeah, it's true. She we, oh. we let our college kids um come eat for free. Mm -hmm. And so she heard me say that a couple of times. And so she knows the church is taking a loss by by giving a meal away. So she she slips me cash uh, often to help offset some of the cost for letting a college kid come eat. So what a bright angel. And she, you know, I have chatted with her off and on yeah. for a couple of years now, and she knows me and my son. And I haven't been to church this summer, mostly because toddlerhood and we haven't been in the sanctuary so I wanted I'm good doing online worship for a time but I came back this past Sunday and it was just such a joy to oh, see yeah. her and she knows my fam, my father you know like they have a good relationship even though he lives in California but you know there are amazing angels out there so yeah and she she's wonderful and I hear about it if she takes a Sunday off which is very rare yeah, we all Everyone care yeah takes a weekend off and I will get messages that she's not there. Mm -hmm. uh, people are upset. So that's a neat thing that you don't get at a neighborhood church is this relationship yeah. with a city employee. Mm -hmm. That's really fruitful and beautiful. Oh yeah. And we'll fight for her if she ever needs it. She's oh, got a people, whole congregation. Oh, of yeah. people. Oh, oh gosh. And people, people will take, you know, from our refreshments, they'll, they'll take extras, you know, we want to give her a plate or just some way to say, thank you. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's that one. That's a neat thing. Um, and so we also have a relationship now. I know I don't think it's been the same person, but we've had a police officer stationed at our church yeah. on Sundays, and so that's another relationship that we get to have that yeah. other churches may not have that opportunity. I I did. We went to weekly security a few years ago, and I confess I don't, I did not love the idea. Um, I just it just there's something you just hate to say we live in a world where you need security at church, but the news tells us we live in a world where sometimes churches need security. And yeah. we are a downtown church with a lot of foot traffic. And we had a group get together and say, there's a real concern here. There's too much access to the road. Our children's building is technically the building behind the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's whole side access that folks were worried about. And folks were appreciative of the fact that we fly a pride flag in front of our church mm -hmm. at various times of the year. And while everyone supports that, a few people said, I am concerned this could trigger a crazy mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. 
I don't, and, and what they said was, Ben, we don't want to not fly the flag, but we want to look into having security at peace yeah. of mind. I said, okay, let's, let's do it. Um, it really has become a wonderful thing that the police mm-hmm. officers are like greeters. Yeah. Love them. They're not threatened by them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, some stay in their car and that's fine, but some of them really enjoy being with us. They chit chat. Yeah. We invite coffee. coffee. Yep. Yep. Have coffee, refreshments, the whole nine yards. So it's really become a great ministry expense. But being a downtown church puts us in a position where we uniquely have to look at security. Mm -hmm. So how can you take a burden of security and turn it into a blessing for your congregation? And that's what I've been grateful that that our security program has done. Yeah. Another another issue, and this plays into our kids' ministry, we don't have a yard. Yeah. We don't have like a space, a playground. We don't have a space for kids to go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are dependent on the square that's right in front of the church. Yeah. Um, for like, just for everyone's point of view, not even just for a playground, but for like Easter egg hunts and fall festivals. And there is not a space that's outdoors other no than the public thing. square that yeah. we we, we don't have the option to use that all the time i think right depending on like permitting or yeah the permitting it depends well in parking i mean parking would be difficult anyway yeah the, the um there's no green space owned by yeah. the church the church takes the entire block mm-hmm. so because of that there's there's no green space so we we're always going across the street you know mindful of kids back and forth so um we have to look at a lot of indoor activities and indoor events for kids and then we utilize the square when it's not terribly hot or Mm -hmm. you know at various times of the year one of our lovely traditions that has worked so well the last few years is we do um every week we do a service at 11 but on easter i like to do a nine o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service and then at 10 right in between we sandwich in the easter egg hunt Mm-hmm. Which is a great way. I, it really, honestly, is a great way to get young families yep. like hers to church on time on Easter. Yes, which is an easy day to run late on. Yeah, it pushes y'all just a little bit more to get there, so we know you can get there for worship. Uh, well, and every fun. year that I've witnessed the Easter egg hunt, there's always been another like a tourist family. Oh, yeah, that walks yeah. by, and we invite them to come. Yep. Grab some we, eggs for their kids. Grab eggs, enjoy all that kind of stuff. So that that's always an interesting, um, an interesting piece. So the physical space itself offers certain challenges mm-hmm. for a downtown church, but then there's, you know, challenges beyond just physical space too. So are there any other unique challenges you can think of? Or are we going to move to the pros? Because I know a very good pro that well, I, I'm probably related to that. The last challenge to not skew too negative, mm-hmm. I'd say you're you're uniquely always dealing with the city government. Yeah. yeah. City governments tend to pay a whole lot more attention to their downtown spaces versus, say, neighborhoods when it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. So there's always something about parking or something about the city having an event that's going to affect street flow or you well know, we, and we're in a movie theater filming town so right. closures of streets and utilizing for filming yeah or or we host events because we're a downtown space and so now that impacts our wednesday night supper planning and you know there's always it just feels like we're always kind of um having to be mindful mm-hmm. uh, of the calendar 
of the calendar of the city of the and church and yeah and film beyond. commissions <laughs> yeah yep. everything yeah. um that made me think of something but I totally just lost my train of thought um one amazing opportunity that being a downtown church has is that we get tourists every single week every week we have steady yeah. flow of tourists and on holidays even more <clears throat> yeah it's it's uh uh hotels have come to recommend us um concierges you know mm -hmm. uh, that nine o'clock easter service uh is largely visitor service mm -hmm. for tourists they they like to come early and then go to brunch um they don't want to do sunrise easter services not yeah. a lot of people like to do that anymore no, you got to come downtown it's it's yeah, far. Yeah. here's the other i guess back to the issues is no one lives other than you right. no one lives nearby yeah. hardly yeah very few people we do have a few downtown residents but they're few and far between um downtown churches always have to deal with the issue of you're not the default for anybody so yeah. you have to give people a reason to drive by other churches to mm -hmm. get yes absolutely you know, think about a retired pastor who used to say a church alive is worth the drive <laughs> you always have to be that church alive because yeah. you got to inspire people and for us it is the savannah metro area how do we get people from the islands who come to us from way out south suburbs side, yeah you know, um, who come Mountain from Cooler, Cooler yeah. Rinkin, beyond. Yeah. I mean, we're talking yeah. 30 minute drives some people make to come to church on Sunday mornings. Yeah. So, but yeah, what's been amazing, uh, sorry, back to the tourists. Yes, we do have to make an effort to get people to come to church on Sunday or for other events. The amazing thing about tourists, and we're a very snowbird centric town as well. So we have ups and downs with um, people who stay in Savannah, uh, some people have become permanent residents after being snowbirds and coming to visit Trinity or even just being a tourist. They now permanently come here and we're their faith home. Yeah, it, it, the birds and the birds are going to be descending here in about three weeks. And I can't <laughs> wait. What's lovely about live stream and online worship is the birds used to go, they used to flock north mm -hmm. and they see or hear from us. Mm -hmm. and they would send me notes about how much they missed us um all summer now they but are i don't blame them because summer here is no. pretty miserable no but what's interesting is a lot of them would keep dual church relationships yeah. they'd go to their other church for the summer come back to the fall well most of them have stopped going to their church back up <laughs> north and they just log on yeah and and they they send their they're part of our online community and then come uh early to mid-october i get i get a 10, 15% bump in attendance because here come all of our, our Yankee birds. Yeah. <laughs> like down south. Some of them come for three months. I always say it starts with a vacation. Mm -hmm. They came down on vacation. They fell in love because our, our town is enchanting. They'll start with like three months or they'll have like a six month span, October to April ish, and then, but they'll go home November, December, come back mm -hmm. in April it'll extend into like nine months and then eventually many of them just make the full-time move, but it's yeah. like a year's process. Um, one of our earliest or longest standing snowbirds, um, uh, Carol Pine mm -hmm. from Minnesota just sold her home. For Did good. she really? Yep. Oh, that's so home exciting. 
and and she i mean because she was getting to where she was down here 10 and 11 months a yeah. year and back to minnesota for a month and come she said i'm done i'm a savannah oh. but it's taken her 10 years yeah <laughs> so but it's lovely and that's a whole nother flavor into the congregation culturally yeah. and ideologically and generationally generationally a lot of them are baby boomers um who love that we're an inclusive church who love that we have kids and young families um so yeah it's it's a whole neat thing that's awesome do you have any other um pros for being a downtown church uniquely trinity i guess i think one of the things that downtown churches always carry with them in varying degrees and and maybe the times have shifted a little bit but there is still some semblance of an aura that lives among the most historic downtown steeple churches mm-hmm. often those churches are the epicenter of multi-faith efforts for mission um when something happens in the community those are often the first churches that band together and say, now, what are we going to say about this? Because downtown churches, and I'm not sure that we appreciate this enough, and maybe I'm maybe I'm just floating my own boat here. Um, downtown churches do still, at least from a community standpoint, occupy some role in the moral um, voice of the city. Yeah. For better or worse. And so the yeah. responsibility you have as a downtown church is to be faithful mm-hmm. and to be courageous and to take stands that yeah. push that that moral voice toward the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the luxury of being a fortress that's that doesn't welcome people in. Some churches that are downtown do that. I mean, but I would argue to their own peril. Yeah. But if you think about it, the building has been around for hundreds of years and a lot of downtown churches have been around for a very long amount of time. You know what? People have come and gone out of government offices, Mm -hmm. out of, you know, opinions, things Mm -hmm. have shifted throughout the years, but the church has always been there and stayed strong. Yeah, we've been 175 years in our current location, and then we were about 33 years on top of that at a different location in downtown. So we moved Mm -hmm. across downtown. Um, As my predecessor told me, and as I would tell any downtown pastor, you are a steward for a season. Um, It is your job to inherit this historic thing that has been here for so long try to do a little something with it so you can leave it better than you found it and then hand it off to the next steward because we've been around 200 years. So the church has been here way longer than me and Mm -hmm. and hopefully will outlast me for generations to come. But in this time and in this space, I have a duty to steward this historic thing well so that it can continue the ministry that it's done so faithfully. So, And also and, in the city that it exists yeah. in, you know, being oh, yeah. that epicenter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, it um, for all the challenges and then all the unique little, you know, quirks about it, I mean, I think that that probably kind of hones in on the biggest uniqueness about a downtown church for me is, is that you, even in a time when culturally the church is – 
less and less relevant in many places. Downtown historic churches still occupy relevancy just for the sheer fact that they've been there so long. Mm-hmm. They've outlasted <laughs> everything. Um, and the buildings are too priceless to be sold and turned into anything oh, yeah. else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and if, if, yeah, and if you've done that, then, you know, you, you always have the weight of history behind you. And then hopefully you have the moral courage in front of you to say, what's the next right thing this church can do mm-hmm. for the community? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. That's such a great place to end this podcast episode today. I'm so glad we got to do that. If you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated. Um, Ben, thank you so much for this conversation today. And um, we'll be talking about it more, but by the time this podcast episode comes out, I believe we have the podcast-a-thon the next week, which we haven't announced yet, but we were chosen to be a part of the United Methodist Church Resources podcast-a-thon the first week of October. Yes, so we'll uh, we'll put some more out as that develops and we learn more about it. Uh, we hope that uh, you all will give us a listen. Um, I, I don't exactly know the formatting and how it's going to work yet, but we'll be sure to share everything that they send us. Uh, but we're excited to be a part of that and uh, lend our voices to this United Methodist podcast-a-thon. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day.